You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at weddingtonchurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It is a privilege to join together and worship with you today on this holy All Saints Day. And for those of you who are joining us online, we are so grateful for the privilege of worshiping our God together with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1 where Paul writes, Paul, called to be an apostle by Christ Jesus, by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you've been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, he will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him, you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word. We give you thanks for this sacred day. And God, as I now stand before these, your people, for this is your church, I pray that this will be your message and not my own. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I love All Saints Sunday. November the 1st is All Saints Day. The first Sunday of November is when the church joins together. We light the candles. We show the pictures of loved ones who were part of our congregation who in the past year have died. We join together today to celebrate their lives. We remember their faith. We celebrate our faith. We give thanks to God that we are Easter people and that death is not the end but a new beginning in the fullness of God's kingdom. We join together today and we celebrate that we have a God who so loved the world that he would give his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. We join together today to remember John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, shared himself that that he had a peculiar love for this day. As a matter of fact, he would write in his journals year after year when it would come time for All Saints Sunday, I love this day. Something sacred about remembering those who helped to shape our lives and mold our lives. And every one of these candles 
is someone with a family, with a story, with a life, someone that God loved enough to give his life for. Special people in our lives, amazing people in our lives. And one of the privileges of being a pastor is in being a minister of music and being part of the church ministry team is we're invited into these sacred moments in families' lives and we get to share these stories. Some of these people, I was even with them when they took their last breath. Sacred, holy moments. We join together grieving as well, mourning the loss of people that we love dearly. We miss them. But I'm reminded when Jesus was sharing that beautiful Sermon on the Mount, when the crowds of people were there and Jesus went up on the hillside, he sat down to teach. He shared some beatitudes or blessings. And the second one that he shared was, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's comfort in knowing who our God is. Now, we pause. One of the reasons I I like this day is that we pause to actually remember people. Now, it's not easy to pause today. And so I encourage you to to try to figure out a way that you can just take some time to to just sit and reflect. This morning early, I got up around 4.30 or so, which is not uncommon for me on a Sunday morning. And I was sitting there with my cup of coffee in a quiet place and and just kind of thinking about these people as I was making sure that I was ready mentally and everything for today and thinking about all these names, all these people, all these lives, stories. Encourage you, take some time today to, to, to remember and, and to share these stories of people's lives with your children and with your grandchildren and, and, and with other people. Now, it's hard to pause because we have our phones that are constantly going, somebody needs to talk to you, did you hear that this was happening? Somebody posted this, you might want to take a look at it. And not only that, many of us now, we have these beautiful watches that in case we miss something on our phone that goes, hey, you need to check your phone. But just try to take some time, a little bit of time to, to think about those who have made a difference in your lives. These folks and others that are parts of our lives who've gone before us. Obviously, every year on this day, I take some time and remember my father that I was very close to. And um, it's funny, my father has now been gone for a few years now. And, and he, but yet still, when my brothers and I are talking sometimes, we'll go, you know, daddy would have killed us if he'd have seen this, right? We just have those memories or, you know, daddy would have done this or dad would have done that. And he was a special kind of man. My dad had a quiet faith. I don't know that I ever heard him pray out loud. You were never going to hear him teach a class or something like that. He lived his faith. He, he was an example of his faith. He, we grew up out in the country, small little home, middle class, maybe, maybe even slightly lower middle class family. And uh, we, we grew up well, though. But my dad, he, 
He always was the neighbor. He knew what loving your neighbor meant, and he would stop and help people. And it, it took us forever to go somewhere because he was a mechanic. He could fix anything. And, and so we'd be riding down the road, and all of a sudden you'd hear, feel your car slowing down. It's like, ah, oh. especially when you're sitting in that car where you're in the back seat that looks the wrong way in the station wagon. Remember those? You'd feel it slowing down. You turn around to see what's going on. We're pulling over because somebody's broke down on the side of the road. It's like, oh. My dad could not just go by somebody who was broken down on the side of the road. He'd stop, fix their car. They'd go, how much do we owe you? And I'll never forget. It was like, you don't owe me anything. You just help the next person that you see. He always said, you know, that could be us someday. Wouldn't you want somebody to care enough to, to help us out? So that's why in the back of my car, I have a full set of tools. I have jumper cables. And if none of that works, I have duct tape. Just in case, because I would be embarrassed if my dad ever saw my car without a set of tools in the back of it. And if you look at my toolbox at home, all the tools are in descending order, clean, polished, turned the exact same way, because that's the way we were taught to do it when we were kids. Stories. And every, every church that I ever served, there's somebody in my church that, that had an impact on my life. I remember in my very first church, which is now our Monroe campus, but back in the day it was Benton Heights Methodist Church. There was a little lady in the church. She was a little elderly lady. Her name was Lessie, but nobody called her that. Everybody called her Miss Annie. The reason she was called Miss Annie is because she is nicknamed after Annie Oakley. Because Miss Annie had a shotgun. And Miss Annie lived in government housing there in Monroe. And I would go visit with her. But the reason she was named Miss Annie was if there was a snake in her yard, she did not see the need to get up with a hoe when you could just. <laughs> she would fire that, kill a snake. Police would come because they're shooting in the neighborhood. And they'd go, I'm 85 years old. What are you going to do? Take me to prison for killing a snake? <laughs> Miss Annie. But I remember sitting and rocking on her porch many times. You need to sit and rock on somebody's porch once in a while. Sometimes we're too busy to rock on people's porches. I'm not sure it's a good idea that we move from the front porch to the back deck. We need to be on the front porch once in a while and rock with some folks. Share some stories. And I'll never forget one time she taught me a lot of stuff and she looked at me. I can see it in my mind's eye right now. And she goes, you know, I love you, don't you? Wow. I love you too, Miss Annie. She was so sweet. Well, then we moved from there. Nancy and I were married, moved up to uh, Cherokee, the Whittier area, which is a little town just outside of Cherokee, North Carolina, up in the mountains. And I was going to seminary in Atlanta and and there was a little lady in that church. Her name was Granny Shelton. Everybody called her Granny Shelton. And, and Granny was just a little pistol. Now, you never had to worry. She was like my grandmother. The thought of a filter <laughs> didn't happen. She thought it. She said it. She was the sweetest thing. And, and Granny Shelton, her sister lived within a half mile of Emory University where I was going to seminary. And so even though I would leave there about 4 o'clock on a Tuesday morning to go down to Atlanta, and I'd stay in Atlanta until Friday evening and in return, sometimes Granny would go, hey, can I ride with you down? And I'd visit with her sister. She'd go down, visit with her sister, come back with me. It actually worked out pretty well. And and, and Granny, you spend three hours going down the road with Granny, three hours coming back. You, you learn some things about life. 
She was such a sweet person. I remember one time she was introducing me to some of her family. And I was young. I was only like 22 years old when I started seminary. And she looked at them and she was just that little short round grandma kind of person. And she said, we never could find us a preacher we liked. We decided to raise us one. She was just a jewel. When we light candles, I remember people like her. She taught me a lot about life and stories. Who are the people that touched your lives? I encourage you to take some time today to remember and to talk about it. Because think about this. If somebody shaped your life and now you're a parent or a grandparent, that person is shaping your children's life too through you. Because they help make you who you are today. So name them and and share with your family. This is a person that was really important to me. And and here's why. Here's how they helped me in my faith. Here's how they helped me in my journey. You see, one of the things I love about today is we spend time remembering those who've helped to shape and mold us. And the, the writer of Hebrews will do that in Hebrews chapter 11 and walks through the hall of faith with all those people with amazing faith. And, but then the, the page turns and Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are now surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those who've gone before us and those who are now cheering us on, Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding his shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. One of the things that always happens on this day for me is I remember those who shaped my life. And then I remember the time is coming where someone will light a candle and call my name. The mortality rate is pushing 100%. (laughs) And as a result of that, someone will light a candle someday. My picture will go up. And my name will be called. There will be a time when we have a celebration of life service. One of the things that has been such a sacred privilege with so many of these is to be a part of their celebration of life and faith. And and then here as family members and friends would come up and share stories about someone's life. And then you go, what stories will be told about my life? Who am I touching? What difference do I make? One of the things that I love is, you know, Sunday mornings get really busy in this church with the four services. And, and so at the end of the 930 service, as they start to sing the last song, I slide out that side door and, and I go out and I get in my car to go to the Family Life Center. And you're going, can that guy not walk to the Family Life Center? He can. But here's a preacher trick that I'll just share with you. When I walk, people go, hey, you got a second? Can I tell you something? I just real fast. And it's never real fast in just a second. And then I'm late getting to the next service. If I'm in the car, I go. <laughs> and so then, you know, at the end of the 1010 service, when they start to sing, I get back in my car, I come back over here and I go down and that's when we robe up and do those things because that's where our robes and the choir room and all that stuff is. You know what else is happening underneath you right now? It is the coolest thing. You know what's going on? There are children down there. 
And they are having an amazing time. And there are people that are telling them stories about their faith. And you want to know something? I can tell you right now the names of my Sunday school teachers. They're the saints that help shape and mold my life. I remember Miss Ruthie. And I remember Miss Ruthie, who was only about so tall as well, and she sat at those little tables with us, those little tiny chairs. She would get in one of those little chairs, and she would, she would tell us stories about this incredible God and about Jesus and the amazing things that Jesus did and how much he loved us. And, and she would take characters, and I'm going to date myself with this. She would, she would stick those characters on a felt board. And if you're going, what's that? Here's the trick. Hey, Siri, what's a felt board? (laughs) Half your phones are going off right now. But she told me stories. She was an amazing saint. The other day I was coming in just last Sunday, actually, and and one of the classes down there, they were having the best time. And and I went in and I said, y'all are just having so much fun. And I realized I really want to stay down here with you guys. (laughs) If you're a, a person who teaches a child in Sunday school or on Wednesday nights or some other time, I want you to think about something. When they're senior adults, they'll still remember you. Think about that. When you're a, they're senior adults, they'll still remember you because we remember when we were children the people that help mold and shape our lives. I remember Mama Wilma every time we light these candles because in my office there's a little red Bible that has my name on the bottom of it because Mama Wilma gave it to me. She was my Sunday school teacher. When I was eight years old, she said something about bring your Bibles to church next Sunday. And I said, I don't really have a Bible of my own, which embarrassed my mother to the nth. How could you say we don't have a Bible? We have Bibles all in the house. Well, that's true. But I'm the fourth of five kids. Nancy's the baby of five. So we can tell you, when when you're number four, you don't have many new things that just has your name on it. It had your brother's name written through. Next brother, strike through. Sister, strike through. Number four, it's yours. I got a new bicycle. No, you didn't. You got your brothers with new paint. Right? And so... I had said, you know, I don't have a Bible of my own, and I got this pretty little present the next Sunday, all wrapped up with a bow on it just for me. I opened it up, and it's a little Bible. It's got my name engraved on it. That one was mine. It sits in my office right now, and you open it up, and it says, to Terry from Mama Wilma. See, Wilma and Ralph couldn't have kids of their own, so they just they became the mother to every, every child in that church. So we all called her Mama Wilma. And she wrote, I hope you'll teach this book someday. Wow. See, people mold and shape our lives. If, if somebody talks to you about, you know, hey, would you like to, to be a part of teaching a child? I just want you to know that's one of the greatest privileges of all times because someday when that child's a senior adult, they'll be telling somebody about you. And how you loved them enough to tell a story. Or youth leaders, when... Youth are taking that faith and they're changing it from these are the Bible stories I learned from my Sunday school teachers to, but do I really believe this and is it my faith? Wow. We remember the people that walked with us. We remember the people that talked to us. We remember the share, the people that, that made a difference in our lives. I had this 
guy in my last church. His name was Rufus. Rufus was a character. As a matter of fact, Rufus had been very active in the church and you know, had been so strong. And then he'd gotten older in years and was not able to really come to church. He could still whittle and make things with his hands. So he made canes for people, walking sticks for people, and uh, just was a, a master at it. But I would go to visit with Rufus, you know, just to check on him, see how he's doing. And Rufus was a talker. So here's another preacher trick. I shouldn't tell you all these things until I'm moving. <laughs> but one of the things I learned with Rufus was, you're going to be there all day unless you have somewhere else to go. So normally what I would do is I would schedule about an hour and 15 minutes after I was to be at Rufus' house, I would schedule somebody that he dearly loved to be my next visit. You know, so I would go, you know, we'd be there for an hour or so. And I go, well, Rufus, I hate to go, but I told Mr. Claude that I'd be at his house around 2.15. So I better get going. And, and it didn't take long. Rufus figured that out. And one day I was getting ready to leave. He goes, now, preacher, next time you come, don't have anybody else scheduled. <laughs> yes, Rufus. In my office, there's a shepherd's staff. Leans up against one of my bookshelves because Rufus made it for me. Because one Sunday I did a sermon where I became a biblical character. And I didn't have a shepherd's staff, so I went to the local hardware store and I got like a six-foot closet rod, wooden dowel rod. And so as I was coming in and, you know, I think it was like a Christmas story or something. And I was telling something in first person. That's what I use as my staff. I went to visit Rufus the next week and he said, Preacher, I heard last Sunday you did a sermon with a closet rod. Is that true? <laughs> I said, Yes, Rufus. We can't have that. So he went to work and made me a shepherd's staff. He didn't quite get it finished before he died, so one of his friends finished putting the crook on the end of it, and it sits in my office. But what's really cool is when we did his funeral, right after the funeral, we were doing a reception like we often do here, and somebody went up to his daughter, Elaine, and was talking to her and said, wow. If I want people to stand up there saying those things about me, I better get started now. Powerful. If I want people to stand up there saying those things about me, I better get started now. See, we're who we are because somebody helped to shape and mold our lives, but now the baton's been placed in our hands and the good news is that if you're here in this room or if you're worshiping with us online, that means that you have more chapters to write, more pages to write, lives that you can make a difference in. This is All Saints Day. I encourage you to, to remember and to reflect. Paul in 1 Corinthians said, you're called to be a saint. A Greek word is hagios and whew, you don't want to look it up because it means to be physically pure, morally blameless, consecrated, holy. That's who we're called to be. And we think there is absolutely no way that I can do that. How in the world could I ever do that? 
And you can't except by the grace of God. See, if you keep reading, what he said was in verse 2, he said, you are sanctified or made holy in Christ. It's not that you achieve something. It's that Christ achieved it and now offers it to you. You're sanctified in Christ. Verse 4, it's a grace given to you in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, he will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, God is faithful and by him you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the good news. God places people in our lives who mold and shape us. Today we remember. I encourage you to remember. Tell the stories. Think about them. But then God calls us now to be a part of making someone else's life, of offering Jesus Christ to someone else, of of being that saint to someone else. And you think, who in the world am I? There is no way that I can do that. And you are right. Because I know you. I'll let you pause and think that one through. But you know me. You know we can't do it on our own. It's only by God's grace. And hear the good news. You have a God who's offered us grace. And now we come to this table and we taste this grace. We're reminded of who Jesus is in our lives. And as we receive him once again into our lives, we now can be a vessel that he can work through us. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now let us be the church and the saints God is calling us to be.